Welcome to the Classic City Sports Podcast. And McAllister down the left field line. Connor Tate is going to round third. He will score. And rounding third is Blaylock. He will score. If you're looking for the latest Georgia Bulldog news in football, basketball, baseball, and recruiting, then you are in the right place. Then you are in the right place. It's third down. Bryce Young's career. You need 10. Play clock at four. From the pocket. Launching downfield. Underthrown and intercepted. Keely Ringo has an escort down the sidelines. Hosted by Jeremiah Stoddard and Jonathan Williams. Georgia on the mountaintop. Demons be gone and the drought is over. National champions at long last. Just sit back, relax, and prepare yourself for these hot takes you're about to listen to. All right, welcome back to another show of Classic City Sports Podcast. As always, Jeremiah Stoddard and Jonathan Williams uh, got a, a loaded one for you today, talking some NFL Combine preview stuff for Georgia that starts up tomorrow, goes through the weekend, and then we got some new hires at Georgia at position coaches uh, for the the upcoming season that we can discuss as well. And then spring ball is about to get started up as G Day is only about a month and a half away at this point. Jonathan, how we feeling? Great. Uh, Glad to be back on the podcast with you. I know our schedules continue to bounce around. We can't quite find some consistency, but I'm sure here in the offseason as we continue to roll into it, we'll start picking it back up and being able to do it week by week. But I'm doing great. Um, Baseball season's right upon – you know, like I say, Stoddard, I know that everybody – you and Harrison and Dan and everybody wants to say it's a hot take, but I think this is the best time of year for sports. I think we're getting a taste of that right now with baseball season kind of ramping up, spring practice like we just mentioned, NFL Combine this weekend – College basketball is getting to that important time of the year than me and you being the golf fanatics that we are. We got the players tournament coming up and then the Masters in April. So, I mean, just all around great time to be a sports fan, get a little bit of everything right now. Yeah, major season is coming up for golf, so that's always fun for me uh, to get into, especially the Masters, which, uh, once again, G-Day, it seems to fall during the Masters as well. So uh, I avoided it for a little bit. Yeah, it it fell back on, I think, that Saturday, so – we got at there in the Masters as well. So there'll be a lot going on that weekend. I'm still personally the guy that I like, you know, I think it goes like the end of October into like mid-November is kind of my, my favorite time of sports, like all combined, because you got a little bit of literally everything. And I know, you know, you still have spring football here, but spring football versus like real college football going on is a lot different for me. I do love golf and I love the Masters and everything like that. But I, I think that where you and I differ on this is I like college basketball and I, I love March Madness, but you like March Madness a lot more than I do. And I enjoy like holiday. postseason. I, I watch postseason baseball more than you do. So that's kind of our trade off when it comes to it. Plus some stuff, the NBA going on at the time. And not everybody's really watching the NBA regular season at that time of year as much, but you got that. You still got the NFL, all that kind of stuff. So differences of opinion a little bit on that, but thank you everybody for jumping in. Like he said a second ago, we I know we said this last time we had a show. Uh, We're trying to be more consistent with it, but there's a lot going on personal lives around this time of year in the offseason. So there's not always a ton of content for us as well, especially Jonathan covers Georgia, you know, four days a week at this point. Um, So (laughs) he's got a lot going on with that stuff. So but we're excited about it. Uh, I know last time we talked a little bit of Georgia basketball and then uh, that kind of fell off for us a little bit right after that. We had that conversation and I was like, they got nine games left. They need to win these games, and they started losing. So it didn't really go. Got took another L yesterday against LSU. So yeah, uh, it's not really going so well for the Hoop Dogs. But Georgia baseball is in full swing. Uh, started up already. They're playing against Michigan State tonight. Uh, Charlie Condon is absolutely a freak of nature. Uh, at that point, he's hit. Jonathan was saying a second ago, three home runs today. So he is just on a tear. I think he's got, mm-hmm. you know, at least at least six. Maybe I haven't kept up with his total total as of today with the games going on, but probably like six or seven home runs on the season as well. So getting everything going for them. But let's jump into some some Georgia football talk, which is what people are here for right now. Georgia's 
got 11 guys going to the combine, I believe. Yeah, 11. So we got a bunch of guys showing up in Indianapolis for the for the festivities tomorrow and uh, got a lot of good stuff going on there. Some three projected first round draft picks right now and some dudes that are going to go out there and make some money at this combine. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think running backs go tomorrow. So I think we'll get a look at Dejon Edwards and Kendall Milton. I don't know what all the events that they're going to participate in. Um, you know, if I was both of them, I don't know that I would participate in exactly every single event just because I don't know that some of them played to their strengths. You know, if I was Kendall, I might just show up heavy and not run the 40 yard dash and just be like, I, you know, I'm just a ridiculously sized running back. You can go look at the tape. The game speed is there. I can break it away when I need to. Um, so, yeah, super exciting time for the NFL Combine, especially considering over the last few years. I mean, Georgia has just absolutely dominated and taken over the NFL Combine. It seems like every single year when you have guys like Nolan Smith and Jordan Davis and, I mean, probably Brock Bowers and Amarius Mims and Lam McConkey this year, I'm sure they're going to show out their skill sets. And I, Georgia will likely be a big talking point this weekend yet again just because it seems like every single year, I mean, those players – they seem to either perform better than we even thought they were or usually have some surprises as well, like Nolan Smith last year. Yeah. I don't know anybody envisioned him running the 40-yard time that he did. So I think even in, even if we do sit here and say, like, I don't know if Kendall Milton or Dejon Edwards is going to run a great 40 time if they do run, they still might go out there and they might run a freaking electric 40-yard dash. So those guys get ready, and it's going to be an exciting time to watch them and make some money this weekend. So I heard an interesting perspective on that talking about, you know, you said Kendall going in heavy and and maybe not running or something like that. I actually heard a decent perspective on this is where you a good approach for some players, depending on the player, right? Like maybe you you're a little bit smaller than they might want you to be in the NFL, like naturally. So leading up to the combine, maybe you put on a few pounds, you try to do that and you don't run the 40 yard dash because, you know, it's going to be slower because of that, because you put on that weight, but you weigh in, you get your measurables in there and then you drop that weight. You know, you don't put on a ton, obviously, maybe 10 pounds for some players is a lot, but then you try to drop that weight again and you get ready for your, your pro day and then you go run the 40. And so you have the opportunity to then show, hey, I've got the size. I just showed you all that at the at the combine and didn't run there, but I'll run here. And you show that you can do that as well. So there's a difference of approaches for different people of how they want to go into this combine, right? Like you think about, uh, like talking about Kendall, he is a little bit bigger, you know, he's kind of the bruiser back. He's never been the finesse back at Georgia. Uh, so I don't know. I, I assume he runs the 40. I think that's, I think he will personally. Now I don't have that on inside source or anything like that, but I think he'll run the 40 uh, and he, he's not going to go out there and run a four, four or anything like that, but I think he'll do something respectable. He's not a slow guy. Mm-hmm. He's just not necessarily your, you know, your burner, but he's, he shows his benefits in other ways. I think guys like Kendall, when he goes to the combine, it's going to be really interesting to see how he grades out and everything, because I feel like that doesn't do a player like him justice you know, going out there and doing that, because I feel like the game tape makes much more impact on his his ability as a football player than going out there in tights and showing his his physical size and stuff like that. And maybe how fast he can run 40 yards. Uh, But when you watch him on tape, especially at the end of last season, you know, the last few four or five games, uh, he just really came onto the scene and was going crazy. And he looks like he finally got healthy. So I hope that NFL teams pay more attention to that with him and not necessarily like what his 40 time might be. Same thing honestly with Dejon. Dejon is uh, he's he's kind of a gadget back. He can do a bunch of different things for you, but he's not necessarily going to be your burner. The, those guys that's not how they're built as running backs, you know what I mean? So it'll be interesting to see how they grade out. I think they'll have a decent day overall. I think the bench press Kendall will probably do very well. Uh mm-hmm. he's he's a he's a very strong kid. He'll do very well with that. Uh probably put up a decent four or uh, uh vertical that kind of thing. And it'll be interesting to see how it plays out tomorrow at the, this whole weekend. We got a lot of big names for Georgia going in there. You know, another name to really watch. It's not tomorrow, but this weekend is, is going to be, see what lad McConkey can do at the combine, because I feel like he's going to surprise some people. We've already talked about it. And I know Brooks and you guys have talked about it a lot of kind of like he's, he's expecting to run a really good 40 and his just, his, his, maneuverability his his ability to kind of do the the three cone all that kind of stuff is going to be good uh it'll be interesting to see how it projects him moving forward in the draft stock because i feel like he will he'll be he'll be one of those guys that walks away from the combine with a really good day 
Yeah, and um, Zach's clearing it up for us. So tomorrow is defensive line and defensive backs. That's that's who's going to be going out there and performing on Thursday. So that means Kamari Lasser, Tyke Smith, Javon Bullard, Zion Logue. Those are going to be the guys from Georgia representing the G tomorrow at the NFL Combine. And then on Saturday is when you're going to get a lot of your skill position players like wide receivers and running backs. So, Zach, appreciate you for clearing that up in the comments section for us so we don't look like idiots to our audience who did already know that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean – Obviously, Ladd will be one of the guys that everybody's super excited to watch. I think um, Brooks mentioned that he was lasered in at like a 4-3-9 at Louisville coming out of high school. Obviously, that was when he was 175 pounds soaking wet or 180 pounds, and now he's put on some more weight as he's gotten to Georgia. So it may not be quite that, but definitely going to be in that high or that low-end 4-4 range, I would assume. And then his vertical, I mean, I think – Brooks also said he jumped yeah. over 40 inches out of high schools. I mean, this guy is going to excel out of all the measurables outside of weight and height. Um, but everything else he does a really good job of. You know, one thing that I mentioned um, that I think Lad does a really good job of that I don't know that anybody really talks about is like, yeah, you you can talk about him not being the size that you want maybe or that he's a little too short, but heck, I mean, he's still 5'11". It's not like he's 5'8". He's taller than I thought. When he weighed in or when he measured in at the Senior Bowl, I really thought he was at most 5'10", honestly closer to like the 5'9 range, and then he measured in there at 5'11". And I, honestly, I think that's huge for him because he is going to have the speed, and he's not like he's not a tall wide receiver by any means, but he's got uh, he's not he's not out here – five nine you know what i mean and obviously he's not that heavy he's only about 185 pounds so that part is definitely going to be a the, but the thing about that is you see wide receivers at 185 pounds you know under six foot they can have a lot of success in the nfl at different positions like they they can scheme stuff up for you you can be successful so yeah he's not there, there's different approaches as far as position groups at wide receiver it's not wide receivers not one cookie cutter mold, right? Like you can have a six, five guy. That's great for certain situations, but then that, that sub six foot guy is going to come in there and do other things for you. And you need both of them on your roster. So there's a spot for him on every single NFL team, despite his size. And especially when he comes out there and he runs what he's going to those low four fours. And then like you said, a 40, you know, inch vertical, something like that coming out. He's, he's gonna, you know, some eyes are going to be on him for sure. Yeah, um, but I think one thing that Lad does really well that uh, people that doesn't really get talked about is, despite his stature, he doesn't get blown up in the field. He's not taking these massive hits. He knows how to maneuver his way around the field. He knows when to get out of bounds. He knows how to protect his own body, and I think that's a, a high importance for a player like Lad, especially when you can use him in so many different ways. Now, a lot of that has to do with the fact that he played with Stetson Bennett. He played with Carson Beck. Two really, really good college quarterbacks who really are really good at putting the ball in great places. They're not throwing hospital balls over the middle of the field and not right. getting Lad McConkey killed over the middle of the field. But I think Lad, um, kind of like a jitterbug out throughout the field, is he does a good job of missing those hits and making people miss, and he protects his own body. I know what the injury history says while he's been at Georgia. You know, that's something that he's had to deal with multiple injuries, whether it be his back or his ankle or anything else. And he's going to have to deal with that throughout his entire career. But when he is healthy and he went, when he is able to go, he does a good job of protecting himself on the field to prevent that from happening in game and keep him out for even longer. You just hit on a, a very important piece. You know, I, I like to listen to snaps with Aaron Murray and them on there as well. And uh, T-Bob asked Aaron because, you know, he it was a quarterback. He went to the combine, but he was hurt. So he didn't do all the drills and everything when he went through. But one of the things that Aaron said that he experienced that he, he said he hated the combine, not because like it's, you know, wasn't a good event to be at in general, but because he had that knee injury and he said he got twisted around, pulled every which way by the doctors and all that stuff that he said he can't. He walked away so swollen in his knee that like it probably set his re his his rehab back a few weeks because of how much they poked and pried at him. And I kind of expect them to do something like that to to lad. Hopefully they let him run all the stuff before they start poking and prodding at him like that but uh that's something that he's going to have to answer for his career you know you've had those back issues that kept you out a few games you've had those ankle issues now that kept you out late in the season you came in and played in that sec championship game but you looked like you needed to be on some crutches you know every time you, you got up off the ground or did something you, you were absolutely hobbled um and you were just trying to be be a member and help your team in any way that you could but i expect that to be a huge portion of his combine experience, that medical side of it for him. Unfortunately, that's how it's going to go. When you have that history, they want to make sure they're using a draft pick on somebody that is going to be able to be with them for a while, especially if you're talking, you know, late first round or 
you know, early mid second round type pick, that's something that they want to make sure they get what they can out of you. And so unfortunately for him, he's probably going to be on the medical table a decent amount, kind of letting the teams that are interested in him poke and pry at him. But hopefully it doesn't, hopefully it doesn't mess with him too much. I'm sure the ankle's good by now at this point. Yeah, I would hope so. I don't, you know, hopefully this doesn't happen a lot, but I mean, we've seen, especially with how hot his name has been since the senior bowl, the last thing that you would want for Lad is for anybody just to start some type of rumor of, oh, yeah. Lad McConkey is this deal, like what they did with N'Kobe Dean. And, you know, yeah. typically what that means is someone has their eyes on him and they want to deter other people from eyeing him down in the NFL draft and keep them from picking him so that maybe they don't have to use a second round pick or earlier second round pick and they can maybe use a third round pick or whatever, make sure that they get him in the draft and make him fall a little bit. So hopefully that doesn't happen. Um, I'm sure there's going to be some type of word about, you know, or some type of red flag about his injuries or whatever. But nonetheless, anytime he's on the field and anytime he's healthy, he makes plays. And that's what you need out of the wide receiver. And he could do it at the X position, the Y. I mean, anywhere you want to place him around, he can just about run any route you want and he can catch any ball that you want and he can rack it up. Um, so that's a that's a big plus for Lad. I think another big person that everybody literally, figuratively and literally, Amarius Mims, that's going to be another big name that I think a lot of people are interested in because if you read any draft analysis over Amarius right now, it's, golly, this guy is big. He has great size. He looks the part of an NFL offensive tackle. The ceiling is great. The talent is there. But he started eight games in college. Like, that's it. And that's, that's not a lot of snaps to go off of it's not a lot of a film to evaluate off of especially when you're looking to draft someone in the first round you know you typically want a good resume and a lengthy resume especially for you know what you would call maybe the insurance or the mortgage that you're buying over there at the offensive tackle position or um, to protect your quarterback so I think that's someone that people are really going to be eyeing this weekend because he's he's going to impress. I mean, I don't know that people really understand this because I feel like I've been seeing it over the last few months is that people think the combine is going to hurt Amarius Mims' chances of getting drafted in the first round. If anything, it's going to increase his, his draft stock. It's going to make him probably a top 15 pick, maybe even one of the first three offensive tackles taken off the board because there's going to be quite a few of them, it looks like, taken in the first round this year. But the dude's like 6'8", 330 pounds, and he's going to run sub, sub five seconds in the 40-yard dash and do whatever else the heck he wants at the combine. So I think he's going to be one of those people that are like, whoa, um, screw the eight game started. We'll take you right now, and we'll take a pure bank off of the athleticism and the frame and everything else that you bring to the table. We can teach you everything else that we need to. So I think right. that's he's going to be someone that can definitely earn some more money for himself. Well, and what we know about the NFL is they definitely value the the things that you cannot teach, right? They are all some of the best football minds in, in the nation, right? That, that's that's what they pride themselves on. They look at a guy and they say, you've got the size, you've got the strength, athleticism. I cannot teach those things. I can maybe make you a little bit stronger in the weight room or something like that, but I cannot make you more athletic. I cannot make you taller or bigger than you are. I can teach you, you know, some some technique with your feet. I can teach you different pass blocking techniques and things like that or run blocking techniques to be that left tackle in the NFL. And so when the guy goes out there and, and does what he's going to do at this combine, he's going to show them, "Hey, you know I'm worth this pick if that eight games is a problem. You know, even in those eight games, though, he didn't. He wasn't like he was bad in those eight games. He played well in those eight games. So you have eight games versus, you know, SEC opponents for the most part and bigger games so you can see that he can play against good competition. And then you see his athletic abilities that are going to be on display. He's 100% going to be worth the pick. I mean, shoot, we saw... Uh, Anthony Richardson be a top five pick and his college resume was terrible. I mean, you, you're going and he he played and I'm not doing that to slight him because he has worked out in the NFL until he got hurt. He was looking pretty good last year mm-hmm. with the Colts. So it worked right there. Right. But his college resume be- was not good. And he did play more than eight games, but he was playing on a bad football team and he did not put up crazy stats or anything like that. But his size, athletic ability, his arm talent, and stuff like that can translate to the next level, which is where I think it's going to play a factor for Amarius Mims is they're going to they're going to decide, hey, this guy is just an NFL athlete. He's built like that. That's what he is. We can teach him anything. If those eight games was a problem for him, you know, if that if that does de- the development problem there, we can teach him some of those things and and use him in that offensive line rotation there, or not rotation, but as a left tackle, right tackle, whatever you want to put him at, I think he will definitely be, I mean, he's 100% a first-round pick, but he's probably a a top 15 pick like you just said. 
Yeah, if he performs at the combine like we think he will, he'll definitely launch himself in that top 15 pick. Right now, seems like a lot of mock drafts have him around that 20 to about 24 range. Um, the Dallas Cowboys seem like they might be a team that might be a landing spot for him. I'm sure Harrison would love to see that, see his Cowboys pick up a, a Georgia Bulldog. But um, the third one, you know, we could talk about Brock Bowers a little bit, I guess, but I think we all kind of – like Brock Bowers is interesting in the sense of you know, what we thought maybe was going to be a top five draft pick is no longer going to be that just because of, you know, position. Of, and this is what happens with the NFL draft. You know, you really don't know where players are going to be drafted unless it's a quarterback, you know, unless it's like the top quarterback in the class, you know, for a fact that he's going to be one or two off the draft board. But like this year, quarterbacks are of need. Wide receivers seem to be like a hot commodity that are going to go in the top 10. And once those start going, they're only going to keep going. So it's interesting to see that maybe Brock isn't going to be this top five draft pick, but he very well could be that late top 10 pick or anywhere in that 15 range. It seems like he could be at the very worst mid first round pick. I think, um, you know, Kuiper today had him going 10th overall to the New York Jets. Maybe not the best situation, but at least he would have a p- potentially Dang. a healthy Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. He's at the end of his career, but he would have Aaron Rodgers thrown in the football. I know he wants to go to the Tennessee Titans, which is perfect for Brock Bowers because Tennessee Titans is a boring NFL franchise. Brock Bowers <laughs> is a boring individual, and he would thrive there. He would he would bring some excitement to the Tennessee Titans, which I thought was interesting, but I guess he has a girlfriend up there. And, you know, I guess they love the South is what I've heard. The Bowers family, they love the South, and they want to hang around here. So maybe he'll get um, his desired location. But I mean, but I don't think there's any question of is he going to perform well at the combine. You know, it's talked about constantly about hey, is he was going to crush the forty yard dash. He's going to do well. Maybe not measure out like one of these massive tight ends, but everything else about him is fantastic. So I think he's. I think his draft stock honestly is probably just going to stay the same, if you will. Not not a knock against him, obviously, but I think that he's perfectly valued where he is right now. You know, uh, he is perfectly. It goes back to a position of need for the NFL. Whether or not he's worthy of a top 10, even a top 5 draft pick, is not really the question anymore. It's who's going to be there willing to pick a tight end with that top pick, right? I mean, we saw Kyle Pitts, the Falcons took him at 8, or I think it was, was it 8? Four. Four. Oh, that's right. Sorry. I was thinking about last year and this year's pick. Um, but point being that... The Falcons needed a tight end, right? And and they looked at and they they it, it depends on the strategy that some of these NFL teams get in when they get there. And yeah, they may not necessarily talk about taking him in the top ten right now because, like you said about Lad McConkey, potentially if they want him to drop down the draft board, that kind of thing, and don't have to trade up to get a guy like that, he could be a guy sitting on that in that top ten pick area where he's like, dude, he's on the board still. At, we need a tight end. Maybe it's not our highest position of need overall, but. People take different strategies, right? The Falcons took, you know, Bijan last year when the running back wasn't the biggest need of the team, but they took him because they thought he was the best athlete available. So it depends on the approach that different teams take because he's 100% worth a top five pick if, as far as his physical abilities and talent. And he's going to go to this combine. He's going to jump a crazy forward or a crazy uh, uh, vertical. He's going to run a four five. In, in the 40 he's gonna bench well he's gonna he's gonna move well he's gonna catch well if he does on-field drills or whatever he does it's just how much can a tight end move up on the draft board this year that's the question or is somebody willing to do what the falcons did last year where they just took a running back that they didn't necessarily have to have because they had tyler Igeo or tyler algier and they had cordell patterson who was running that room and doing well the year before. We had a 1,000-yard rusher before, but then you still go take a running back in the top 10 pick, even though it's not your biggest need of your you know, of your team because he's the athlete that you think is a, a, a next-level athlete that you have to have. That's what you that, I think that's where you could see potentially see Brock Bowers go higher in the draft if somebody's willing to make that type of pick. You know, I think, honestly, I, I would almost maybe prefer Brock go a little bit later in the draft. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I as far as his best position to be in, the later he goes in the first round, the better of a football team he gets put on. Yeah, well, and you just, you know, you think about all of the great tight ends in the NFL right now. Like, you, you talk about Travis Kelsey. You talk about George Kittle. You can throw in, like, a Tyler Higby. Sam Laporte as a rookie was great for the Detroit Lions last year. Mark Andrews is really good for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, you know, Dalton Kincaid had a great year with the Buffalo Bills. You know, all these great tight ends and all these really talented tight ends 
Well, all seven of those names I just listed, what do they have in common? Well, they play for winning franchises. Great tight ends play for winning football teams. And then you look at Kyle Pitts, which uh, you could – I mean, great football player, obviously. I mean, fantastic. He's immensely talented. But he's had crappy quarterback play. He's been on a crappy franchise, and I think that's kind of played into the role of him not being able to fully tap into his ceiling. You know, he had a great rookie season. But now with a season of Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke and all this stuff, like he just hasn't really been able to be there. And of course, his injury as well, like you just mentioned. So I think Georgia fans should almost want him not obviously fall, fall into the first round. But, you know, if he is picked in that top like that 15, 16, 17, 18 range or whatever, I think it'd be more than okay with Brock Bowers going there because I think he should be with a winning franchise. That's the type of person and the type of community that he needs to be around. He doesn't need to be with one of these bottom feeders that is constantly losing and just kind of figuring things out by slapping stuff on a wall and hoping it sticks. Yeah, it depends on like what your approach. If you're a competitor and you want to win, then if you're Brock Bowers, you want to go mid first round, you know, because it gives you a chance to get on a team that's on the verge of potentially being a playoff team and making those moves and doing stuff. But if you want that first round draft pick money and those each pick you fall, you know, you lose some money as far as that contract goes. But uh, when you're a guy like Brock Bowers, if he stays healthy in the NFL, he's going to be a guy that's in the NFL for a long time and doing a lot no matter where he is. And so he'll get that second contract and he'll get the money, you know, at some point in his career. And I don't think I don't think he's the type of guy that looks at his football position and saying, I need the money. He, he's a competitor. He wants to win. He wants to do well. And so the best case scenario would be for him to go mid-round. I think he would, if he went to the Jets with a healthy Aaron Rodgers, I don't think that's a bad spot for him. I know it's not the best team in the world, but with Aaron Rodgers being healthy, they can they do have the early draft picks. They can build this roster up, make some moves. He could have a lot of success and they could turn into a play. I mean, think about it. They, they have the 10th overall pick, but that's because last year they didn't have Aaron Rodgers playing like they were supposed to have. And then you add him into it as well on that offensive side. They look like a complete different football team and win, you know, four more games next year. And all of a sudden they're in the playoffs. So and, and doing something because they do have a quarterback that's po- poised to make a playoff run. They do have the system that can do it. I, I think he's going to end up somewhere that's going to be a good spot for him. No matter where he goes, he'll do well. You know, maybe the team doesn't win a lot, but he's gonna put he's gonna get his and he's gonna do well overall, no matter where he ends up. Dan's got a question in the chat for us that he really wants us to hit on. So we're gonna hit on this real quick. Um he says, Do you believe the Falcons could take him at eight, him being Brock Bowers, if Atlanta trades Pitts for Fields? So obviously there's been a lot of smoke about the Atlanta Falcons potentially trading for Justin Fields because it all but seems that Chicago is targeting Caleb Williams and the NFL draft this year and moving on from Justin Fields. At least that's what people are assuming right now, which you can say what you want about what happens when you assume things, but that is what is being talked about right now. And, you know, there is possibly a world where that could happen. You know, Pitts is coming up to the end of his rookie contract. And so you're kind of getting into that discussion of, do you want to renew the contract? You got to figure that out. So maybe if it was a time for them to move on for him, then maybe this would be the time. I personally don't know that Pitts would be involved in the trade with Fields. I don't think that would be one of the pieces that Raheem Morris and the offensive staff would want to move, but you may not have a choice. So, I mean, if they did get, if Pitts was part of a deal, if that were to go down, you know, they did just get, uh, they released Johnny Smith. And then you, if you cut rid of Kyle Pitts, you certainly would now have a need to get a tight end. So maybe you could, maybe in a world that would definitely be a position of need, there would be reason for you to take Brock Bowers in the first round at the eight slot. Um, but I think a lot of people also would like them to see, like to see the Falcons draft a Dallas Turner, um, an edge rusher, a sack guy that Atlanta has desperately needed over the years. So it's, it certainly could make sense um, if the right things fall into place. But um, as of right now, I, I just don't know if I could see that happening. I'm going to go ahead and say, because before you said this, this is all that was running through my mind the whole time you were running through that was there's it. There's no chance in my head that that happens, because if you were going to trade Pitts, you would not have released John U. Smith because you you would be at a very big need at that point. And yeah, maybe you would do it because you're looking at getting Bowers, but you can't guarantee you're going to get Bowers in the draft at that point either. You would assume he's going to be sitting there, but you can't guarantee it. I don't see them making that move and trading Kyle Pitts since they released John o. Smith. I feel like if they were going to trade Kyle Pitts, John o. Smith would still be on this roster. I, I yeah, I'd, that's a personal insight of that's my opinion and how I perceive it. Now I might be wrong. I don't know what these GMs and and these coaches are thinking all the time, but I feel like that's not the best move if you're gonna if you're gonna trade Kyle Pitts. 
I just don't think a trade for um for Justin Fields would require that much capital because obviously it's going to take up some draft picks of yours. Maybe like Zach is mentioning, I've seen a lot of second and third round picks, maybe a combination of that and maybe a player, but I don't think it'd be someone like Kyle Pitts. Um, and if it was, I don't know that Atlanta would bite down on that one and hook, line, and sinker it. I think that they would maybe back off a little bit and just kind of be okay with what they have and try and figure it out somewhere else. But um, glad to be able to answer that question from Dan. Um, a few other players that I, uh, we can talk about, you know, Kamari Lasser, I think he's he's kind of in this fringe first round um, realm. Um, it's the mock drafts have kind of listed him at in, or in that late first round, uh, like 30th overall, 31st, yeah. 32nd, kind of in that area. And a lot of that has to do with, again, it's 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 a top heavy defensive back class. I mean, you got Cooper DeGene, you got the two guys, Taryn Arnold and Kool Aid McKinstry from Alabama. You got the Quinion Mitchell guy from um, Toledo, I, I believe it is, who balled out at the Senior Bowl. There's a lot of really good defensive backs in this class, and um, <clears throat> I think one thing about Kamari is. You, I think Kamari's best attribute is everything that he did on the field at Georgia. It's not going to be what he does at the NFL Combine this week. And, you know, he's going to measure in at probably about six feet dead even almost, and then maybe like 195 pounds. He's not like this massive frame defensive back that you see a lot of the times. And I think he's going to have a pretty solid 40 time. He's not he's not blazing quick, but he's also not slow by any means. So I think he's going to have a very, very respectable 40-yard time. So I don't know that he's going to do – a lot of things at the NFL common that maybe help his draft stock. I think it's his film, obviously. I mean, he's super clean. He's, um, his technique is out of this world. I mean, he does a great job of getting his ball turned around. He impacts the football, and he can lock down anybody. I mean, he showed that over the last two years at Georgia. So I, I think that um, he's someone that if he is going to be a first-round pick, it's going to be because of everything that he just put on tape at Georgia. Maybe not necessarily what he does tomorrow at the NFL Combine. Kamari is a guy that, I would look back on it and say he's probably one of the best cover corners that have played at Georgia in general. And he has the ability to get those interceptions, to make plays on the ball, those pass breakups, all that kind of stuff as well. But as far as just being on somebody's hip and running the route with the guy, that is something that he has done extremely well in his career at Georgia and I think is going to pay dividends to him by those guys that are watching the film and seeing what he does that way. I think I think he'll make his money that way as well. I don't think the combine is somewhere that He's going to go in there and just blow people away. I don't think that's the type of football player he is. He's not going to do what Eric Stokes did and go out there and run a ridiculous 40 time or anything like that. That, projects, that, that, yeah, that, that dude was nuts. I mean, I didn't know he had that type of speed at Georgia. And then he gets there and he does that. And it's just, I, that one I never saw coming. As far mm-hmm. as somebody that watched every game that he ever played, I would have never predicted that. And he's done well in the NFL. It's paid dividends for him that way as well. He was a good cover guy as well. Not quite as good as Kamari, but he had a different play style. You know, I, th- I feel like his his approach was a little different. But Kamari is definitely going to be uh, a great pick for whoever takes him. You know, if it is late first round, it's going to be a great pick to a team that is a good football team like you were just talking about earlier, those later picks. Or he goes early second round and he goes to a team that, you know, pretty much steals a first round pick at that point, you know, in the second round. So uh, he's going to make somebody some money. He's going to make some money in the NFL. I'm excited to Mm -hmm. see his NFL career and what he can accomplish because he has been one of the most, you know, consistent corners that I'll say that to most consistent corner that I've seen play at Georgia in a long time where you weren't worried. I mean, every once in a while he got beat because I mean, it's the position, right? Eventually a wide receiver is going to get you on something. These guys you're playing against the top guys in the world, uh, you know, in, in America and in college football, eventually they're going to run a good route and get you and create a little separation on you. So, but when you knew what he was doing, he was right there where he needed to be. And I, I expect him to have a good career. I'm excited to see what he does this weekend. Yeah, if you can make it two full years of starting at Georgia and nobody, not a single soul in the Georgia Twitter fan base space is saying a bad thing about you, then you had a pretty dang good career. Because, man, if you have a bad day on Saturday, Georgia fans are going to let you know about it. They're going to be very loud about it, and they're going to get they're going to be all up in your stuff because you had one bad day. Because you maybe ask Dalen Everett how that goes. Just, yeah, just no ask kidding. ever how it is to be a corner at Georgia toward the end of his career by Georgia fans. So I mean, you, you, there's no winning in that area, but huh? Who'd you say? I said Keely Ringo was getting flung. Oh, Ringo. Yeah, Ringo was getting – he was getting his Um, too. 
So uh, obviously he was very consistent and he was very important to Georgia's defense. Um, I'll give you my guy and I've, I've been on this one and I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to stand in the paint no matter what. I don't think he's going to stink it up. So, but I'm still going to stand in the paint, even if that for some reason does happen. I'm someone that I think is going to surprise people. I think he could be the biggest winner of the entire weekend from Georgia. I think it's Marcus for Simi Jack Saint. I, th- I mean, he's six, three, he's, he's got the frame for, it. he's got the size for, it. he's got the consistency consistency for it i think he dropped two passes during his entire career at the university of georgia so he's got great hands on them but he's just built like an athletic freak to me especially at a guy that plays the x position i think he could easily go out there post a great 40 time for his size and his um his um his position specifically and i think that he could obviously have a great 40 uh vertical and a broad jump everything that dude is built like an athletic specimen I think that he could be the biggest winner. I think that he could fully jump jump himself into another round um, after this weekend. I, he is someone that I'm interested to see because I think he is going to have a fantastic weekend up in Indy. Do you have the list of guys that are going? I know there was 11. I can't remember every name when I try to think. I don't of have a list, but I can head. try and name every single one of them right now. Let's see how good Go I ahead. do. All right. Yeah. Dejon Edwards, Kendall Millen, Zion Logue, Marcus Rosimi Jack St. Lad McConkey, Brock Bowers, Tyke Smith, Javon Bullard, Kamari Lasseter, uh, Will, did William Mogan invite? No, I don't think he did. I don't think That's he did. That's nine of them. Um, dang it. Who, who, who am I missing? There's no linebackers. Did you say Mims? Oh, no, I did not. Uh, Marius Mims. So who's the 11th one? Who am I not? Who, who did I not name? Hmm. It's a good question. Somebody in the comments, if y'all can think of the name. Maybe that William Mogan did not get right an invite. That's the only other person Maybe. I can think of. I would say a guy that I expect to not necessarily go out there and just like blow people away, like what you're talking about with what potentially oh, SVP. Yeah, of course. I think the, those guys are, are ones that you're expecting to do. I think a guy that's going to have a good day is going to be Javon Bullard. I think he's going to go out there and surprise some people in different ways. I'm not saying he's going to go out there and run a crazy 40 or something like that, but I feel like he is going to do well at the combine as well. He's a very physically gifted guy for a guy talking about size that we were earlier for a guy that's as short as he is. He has done so, so well. And I think he could go out there and show his physical abilities despite his size out there. I think he could have a really good day. Um, I'm excited to see what he does. Yeah, you know, I think all three defensive backs for Georgia, you know, being Kamari Lasser, Javon Bullard, and Tyke Smith, I think they all three kind of have in common of, again, the game film kind of hoping what you speak is the loudest for them because Javon Bullard doesn't have the biggest size for someone that's going to play safety. He's going to be a great nickel in the NFL. He's going to be a fantastic nickel back um, for the um, for NFL organizations, whoever wants to take him. Tyke Smith, same thing. Obviously, he got picked on a little bit, so we know that the speed isn't quite there for someone like Taiki, but dang, is he the best tackler that you could possibly ask for out of a defensive back? I mean, that guy has a nose for the football, and he's going to make plays, and he's going to make impactful plays. So I think all three guys, um, their game film is what hopefully will speak the loudest for them. Um, we hope that they have great weekends in Indianapolis this weekend at the NFL Combine. I think they, they will excel in some areas, maybe not every single area, maybe not checking every single box off like some of these guys will. But, I, I mean, like I said, though, before, it seems like anytime Georgia players go up there to the, for the NFL Combine, they don't have a bad weekend. You don't see anybody just absolutely stink it up. Nobody really has a, a case where they go out there and it's like, whoa, we got to drop his draft stock tremendously. This guy went from a fourth-round draft pick to like a seventh-round draft pick. We don't see any of that from Georgia players. So, if anything, probably we'll only see, hopefully, their draft stocks climb. So, I think the Javon Buller pick is another solid one. I think SVP – Speaking of him, since I forgot him, I'm not doing this because I forgot him, but it needs to be talked about. He obviously someone that again is not going to probably test well because he's he does he's not tremendously sized or anything like that. But boy, is he going to interview well? He's going to talk to NFL GMs. He's going to talk to NFL organizations. He's yeah. going to blow them away with his knowledge of the game of football and just the type of person that he is. So I think that's someone that. You know, people talked about this with Nolan about how his, his ability to you know, just capture room and how smart he is, how smart of an individual he is when it comes to the game of football. SVP is kind of wired the same way in that sense that people just love him and he's he, he watches film religiously and that's why he is such a brilliant football player. And I think that's where he's, re- he's really going to steal the show in that aspect of things. Absolutely going to do that. I think he's a guy that doesn't need to go in there and have a great physical game, right? I think he's a guy that you know what you are getting with him because you have 44 games of tape to watch on that guy. He is a guy that you've got everything you need in the game tape. You know, you want to see him do well at the combine, but that's not going to make or break his draft stock either way. Um, and what you were just saying a second ago, no, I don't, I don't expect anybody to fall down the draft boards. 
you know, what Georgia players seem to do is pull a, a, you know, do what Trayvon Walker did after he had the combine. We saw what happened with him, and all of a sudden he was the number one pick. So it just, that's the type of stuff that you see from Georgia players going to the combine at this point. Cause I feel like Georgia prepares them very well to test well overall at these things where they're not going to fall. You kind of know what you're getting for the most part. And then you, you see the occasional guy that flies up the boards because they do so well there. Um, so yeah. I'm excited to see how all of it plays out. We are at about 40 minutes. So I want to go ahead yeah, and hit on you know too. another topic as well. So let's go ahead and jump into the coaching changes at Georgia. Obviously you have a new running backs coach and you have a new wide receivers coach because you've had some moves, movements there. Jonathan, I'm going to let you start this topic. I just want to say, I, I want to give some claps. We don't have to actually give claps, but I, I'm figuratively giving claps to the Georgia fan base because man, when James Coley was announced as the wide receivers coach, I was strapping everything down. I was <laughs> bracing for life because I was like, Twitter's about to explode. This fan base is about to, this fan base is about to have an aneurysm because James Coley is coming back to this organ this program after what he just did in 2019 with the offense. And boy, people hated James Coley. But man, people took that with grace. I think a lot of people were excited about it. I think they had a very level head when evaluating the hire and they kind of saw what the mindset was there, why Kirby Smart and the staff wanted to bring him back on as wide recruiting man. coach. And exactly for the reason of that dude can recruit and specifically can recruit the South Florida region. Just go, I mean, if you look back at even just the names that he um, he recruited while he was at the University of Georgia, like James Cook, his name's attached to that one. Carson Beck, James Coley helped out Georgia getting Carson Beck. Jeremiah Holloman, George Pickens, obviously a guy that wasn't in my uh, wasn't in Florida, but was an Alabama guy. And James Coley went got him the last five star. wasn't even consistent five star, but he was a five star wide receiver. The last five star wide receiver that Georgia signed, James Coley had his hand in on that one, so he can recruit out of this world now. Obviously, the NIL world that plays a, a big part in um in recruitment now. And Georgia isn't going to be spending the dollar bills like some of these other programs are. But um, James Coley can recruit. People seem to like him. His coaches seem to like him. His colleagues seem to really like him. And obviously, Kirby Smart likes him. So I think that was a really good hire. I said this was the second best hire that Georgia made this offseason right behind T-Rob because T-Rob, I mean, that was just a home that run out of the park. Yeah. You nailed that one. That was about the best outcome that you possibly could have asked for. And then just getting into the Josh Crawford run real quick. I mean, uh, I, the initial reaction I think people had is, why are we getting a wide receivers coach to then come coach running backs here? Now, he played running back um, during his football career. So there's the attachment there. But this is also just another guy that can recruit. And he recruits the Atlanta region. He has connections all over the state of Georgia. He was a high school head coach in the state of Georgia. I mean, he's attached to some really – I mean, some powerhouses in the GHSA um, Georgia high school football level. I mean, any big program that you can think of when it comes to Georgia high school, his name is attached to it. So this is another hire that is geared towards recruiting and Georgia needs it at that position. I mean, Del McGee, obviously one of the best in the business at recruiting. So to be able to place replace Del McGee with Josh Crawford, I, I think that's about as close to a win as you could ask for as well. Yeah, and I want to point out what what Stan the Man is talking about in the comments right now. You can't really question Kirby when it comes to this part of his job. As far as hiring assistant coaches and position coaches, I feel like he has done an extremely great job over the past seven years, eight years of doing this when he's needed to. And I, I think that's why you didn't get the uproar and outrage from Georgia fans about James Coley coming in as a, as a, a wide receiver coach because – they understand that what he's doing, and obviously, it, it didn't work out as an OC for Georgia. That was a, I mean, I that's the only guy we've seen just part ways after one year, you know, as an as a coordinator with Georgia. Like, and just it's this ain't working for us. It ain't working for you. Go get your stuff figured out. Hey, guess what? Now we got a spot for you as an assistant, you know, wide receiver or as a wide receiver coach, and you can recruit really well. We know that. So we want to put that part to it. We're going to let you do that part and not have to worry about making play calls and controlling the entire offense. You can do well with that. I, I think that's why you didn't see the outrage from Georgia fans when that a pick was made or that hire was made. But then you flip over to Josh Crawford. And like I just said a second ago, when you were hinting at, he did play running back. He, he, was, he went to Morehouse and he played there. And then he did come to Georgia, not as a, a football player, but he got his master's at Georgia as well. So he's got, this is kind of home for him in that aspect. He's from, you know, or he's played in Georgia and then he went to school at Georgia as well. So this is home for him. And I, I loved Del McGee. He was, you know, a yeah. great assistant coach. I can't believe he sat around here as long as he did. I feel like the past three years, every time, mm -hmm. you know, there's a head coaching job around, everybody goes, Del McGee, 
Is he going to do it? This is a good fit for him going to Georgia State. His son is enrolled there now and is going to be playing there. So he's getting he's going to go spend some some time with his son, I'm sure, there and have a good time. So wish the best of luck to him. I do want to say this, and, and it's in, in no way a slight to him at all, but think about when he was here early on, like how, how well we were doing at the running back position, and then you seem to have had a little bit of a drop-off as far as having that star power right there. Not because they didn't go out and get names, but maybe they weren't necessarily doing what they, they were supposed to do once they got there overall. And then I know Kendall had a bunch of injuries. Otherwise, he might have been a different type of running back. But it might mm-hmm. be time in that running back room to get a new face, to get a new name in there, a different energy, and maybe try to do something a little bit different. Once again, and no no slight to Del McGee because he was one of the, the best assistant coaches that has worked under Kirby to date. And I love the guy. He was a great guy. So, But it will be interesting to see what Josh Crawford can do in that aspect of it and bring new energy, new life to it. we got some great running backs coming in right now that – come back from Del McGee at this point. You know, Nate Frazier, we're we're expecting him to be a name that pops out early in his career at Georgia as a running back. And it'll be interesting to see how that mentality, if anything, does change there as far as the type of guys they target because of what he likes and what he wants to coach and that kind of thing. Yeah, you know, I th- I think if you make these hires specifically at James Coley one prior to winning back to back national titles, I don't think that the the reaction is the same as it was. You, two national no. titles solidifies you and em- em- embodies trust like no other thing, as it should. I mean, you went back-to-back national titles. You should get 100% full trust from your fan base. I think Georgia fans have done a good job of that. But another thing, too, I think another reason why fans have so much trust in Kirby is if you kind of think back and you look at any of the hires that did have some question marks around them, you know, like thinking about back to when Trey Scott was hired as a defensive line coach. Early on, there were some questions there, and some people weren't exactly happy with what was going on right. with the defensive line room under Trey Scott, and that got turned very quickly. Trey Scott got um, NFL guys in there, got them out of there, and he First continues to them in. It looks like they're about to go on another run at the defensive line position here in the near future when it comes to NFL-ready talent. So that one ended up being a fantastic hire for them. You know, um, Mike Bobo can be thrown into this realm. I know a lot of people still aren't fully on board with Mike Bobo being offensive coordinator, but the guy just averaged over 40 points per game as your OC. That's really freaking good. So you can say what you want, but that had question marks around initially. And I think now, at least you should have the um, should have the reality or the realism to understand that that is a good hire for Georgia. Um, another Listen, the people that don't like Mike Bobo still at this point are just never going to like Mike Bobo that they need a they need a guy to blame for things going wrong and, and have an issue with it. But I mean, you come in and you have 40 points a game, you know, after having Todd Munkin here, who was 41 points a game like it, it wasn't a very big difference as far as that goes. But so if you don't like Mike Bobo at this point, it's you're just not going to. And that's OK. That's that's your prerogative, right? You're allowed to have that opinion. You're just wrong. So, yeah, it is. And I think the last coach that you could throw in there as well is Stacy Searles. When Stacy Searles got hired from UNC, obviously a guy that had already been at Georgia before during the Mark Rick time, but then Kirby Smart brought him back after his time with UNC. People are like, what the heck are we doing hiring Stacy Searles? That guy just gave up 68 sacks over the last two years at UNC with that offensive line. Like, why are we bringing in someone like that? And I mean, even I had some questions about it. Like, this one doesn't seem like the typical Kirby Smart hire. But now, yet again, dude's killing it on the recruiting trail. And over the last two years, Georgia has arguably had one of the best offensive lines in the entire country. One of those years probably should have won the Joe Moore Award. So again, like anytime there's these questions or concerns around these hires, Kirby Smart and the coaches that he chooses from continue to deliver. And then you sit here and like, well, geez, that was now we understand why you wanted that guy to be brought in. Yeah, and Kirby Smart is kind of doing something that uh, um, Nick Saban liked to do, talking about getting like Matt Luke and guys like that coming in, former head coaches that come on, and now you're you're an assistant coach, that kind of thing, and and kind of help them build their career back up. And then on the other side, he's still building these young names. You know, you got your Dan Lannings and stuff out there that have been able to go out and get big head coaching jobs and make a lot of moves and put their team in the ability to go win a national championship or put them in that that. Uh, that limelight all the time now. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And yeah, I see what the comments right now, what Dan and what you just responded in there as well. Yeah, the the thing about Mike Bobo was the big game thing. But like Jonathan just said, Todd Munkin had an absolute egg of a game in that same exact game the year before. The same exact game, the SEC championship game. 
and absolutely laid an egg. You changed the strategy on defense uh, on the other side of it, and then on the offensive side, you only scored you know a few points here. And it just wasn't great. Your plays weren't there. But if you look back at that SEC championship game, you take away the fumble because, you know, of a botched pitch. And, you know, maybe maybe if the refs make a different call on that catch right before halftime that spots them seven points, you have a different conversation. And Bobo didn't have as bad of a game as you think he did. So it'll be interesting to say, well, Todd Munkin won two titles, but when he had that bad game, he didn't lose two titles. That bad game wasn't. (laughs) He won the the second title after that. He won the second title after that, and that's the thing. He he was able. He had the chance to go in in the playoffs. Bobo didn't get the chance to have the bounce back game afterwards because they were left out of the playoffs. That's the yeah, difference. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we all think that if Georgia got their shot at the playoffs this year, that they would have more than likely redeemed themselves in multiple ways and likely would have won a third straight national title. Like I said, Dan's Dan's just trolling and he's poking the bear, like I just mentioned. Um, so I think that we should save the spring practice talk for another episode because we're gonna have plenty of time to talk about that. And we went 40 minutes talking about the NFL combine alone, yeah, which I wasn't didn't expect expecting that much so time. <laughs> but hey, I love the fact that we're able to converse about something like that for a long time and keep the content good and fresh still at the same time, or at least I hope that we did. Um, so we appreciate all of you guys in here. Even if you were being a dirty little troll, we appreciate you guys lighting up the comment section and being here and supporting us. Um, like we said, I know we've said it multiple times. We're trying to become more consistent. It's just kind of hard with our schedules right now with my show that I do with Brooks and them over at the Film Guy Network, which you should also be tuning into on Monday, Tuesdays, and Thursdays. And then also trying to make sure that Stoddard and I's um, own live um, schedules match up as well for Wednesdays or Sundays. But we'll be sure to let you know over on social media, like we always say on Twitter or our personal Twitter handles, we'll be sure to let you know when shows are going to be dropping, when we're going to be going live, and all that good stuff. So we appreciate you guys all for being here. Stoddard, you can close this out. Yeah, hey, as always, keep it classy in the classic city, and we will see you guys next week i keep i messed this up twice now are you ready for this now i'll put the outro if i can get this button to work i messed up the Boy, intro we're rusty huh? I, dude we're rusty all right <laughs> keep it classy in the classic city we will see you next week thank you for listening to this week's episode of classic city sports take a second to subscribe rate review and share with your friends and family feel free to reach out to the classic city sports crew on twitter with any topics you'd like discussed you can reach out to jeremiah at the Stodfather, to jonathan at dr underscore j will and make sure to follow at classic city pod for show updates check back next week for a brand new episode in the meantime the entire